When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is People Every Day. Coming up, inside Prince William and Prince Harry's latest reunion, putting their feud on hold to celebrate the life of their beloved mom, Princess Diana. Plus, Mary J. Blige gets candid about her lifetime of trauma, abuse, heartbreak, and surviving it all. I just kept pushing and pushing no matter how hard it got, no matter how ugly it got. It's July 1st. Hi, guys. This is People Every Day, and I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein. So excited to be back with you today. It's Thursday, the first day of July, and I am fresh off of taking a few days away to soak up the sun and sand in beautiful Playa del Carmen, Mexico. Okay, it was my baby girl, Raimi's first international trip and our first vacation since the pandemic. We went down with a few friends and their families, and I will just say a lot of fun and margaritas were had just to recap, little Raimi is no fan of the ocean, but she lives for a resort pool situation. My son, Reese, on the other hand, still has sand in places we will never find it. And I had a glorious massage and Doug got to golf. So thank you, Playa, for everything. But I have some other thank yous to send out as well. So much major news has happened this past week, and I couldn't be more grateful to my many talented colleagues, Zoe, Charlotte, Brianne, Adam, Michelle, Andrea, and Nigel for taking the reins here at People Every Day and staying on top of it all. Hashtag nailed it, but (laughs) for real though. So to keep up their momentum, I'm coming in hot today with a powerful interview later in the show. I sat down with Mary J. Blige, Mary, for this show and for this week's issue of the magazine. And she is an open book, you guys, discussing her new documentary, My Life, and all of the struggles she's had to overcome from childhood trauma to the physically and verbally abusive relationships she says she's endured. And she gives great perspective on it all. So you've got to stay tuned for that. But right now, we've got to get into a huge milestone moment out of the UK. Today, July 1st, would have been Princess Diana's 60th birthday. Her sons, William and Harry, are commemorating her in a beautiful way. And joining me to discuss that, as well as the news about their rocky relationship is People Royals reporter Stephanie Pettit. How's it going, Stephanie? Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. So today's a big day. Um, I want to get into just the happy stuff first because there's so much going on with the family. But let's talk about Princess Diana and how she is being remembered um, and uh, memorialized today. Princess Diana had a statue revealed in her honor at Kensington Palace, which is where she lived as a royal. And Mm -hmm. I mean, this statue has been in the works for years. Um, It was first announced in February 2017, which was nearly 20 
20 years after her death in Paris at the age of 36. A committee was put together by her sons, led by her sons, Prince William and Prince Harry. And now we get to see this these years of planning and hard work come to fruition with this statue. It's meant to reflect her warmth and elegance in addition to her work and the impact she had on so many people. Ooh, so tell me what it looks like. It's Diana with three children. She lovingly has her arms around two of them. And so it really pays tribute to her humanitarian work and her um, interactions with people. So it's really Diana as remember her in the 90s. She's wearing kind of a, you know, everyday outfit, something we'd see her in on an engagement with one of her charities that she loves so much. So it's um, Diana as we almost remember her. Yeah, well, William and Harry came together to issue a joint statement that said, Today, on what would have been our mother's 60th birthday, we remember her love, strength, and character, qualities that made her a force for good around the world, changing countless lives for the better. Every day, we wish you were still with us, and our hope is that this statue will be seen forever as a symbol of her life and her legacy. So they are coming together today to do this. And this is, of course, bringing up a lot of the news about how they are when they're in the same vicinity, because we know there has been so much drama between the brothers. So uh, let's let's start with today. They're, they're together doing this? That's right. Um, they're together. And from the photos and footage, it seemed they're really relaxed and in good spirits for the statue unveiling. I think when it comes to their mother, they're going to put their differences aside, any tensions aside, and focus on honoring her, which is really what this day is about. Yeah, yeah. But this is, of course, on the heels of getting some new reporting that the last time we saw them together for another family function, this is uh, laying their their grandfather to rest, Prince Philip, uh, we saw that they, you know, interacted. We saw that they had spoken to each other a little bit while the cameras were rolling. But take us in to the news of what we just learned about what could have gone on behind the scenes, according to some sources who were there when the cameras weren't on. Right. It seemed um, like we almost had a moment of reconciliation after the funeral service in April. The William and Harry seemed to be chatting together and getting along. However, uh, Robert Lacey, who's a royal historian and author of Battle of the Brothers, which chronologues their tensions. And he said that an argument actually broke out within minutes of the siblings getting inside the castle and beyond the, you know, vision of the camera. A friend of the family told Lacey that they were at each other's throats as fiercely as ever. So clearly the rage between these two is incredibly deep. But luckily today they were able to put those differences aside and have a beautiful moment for their mother. So, Stephanie, who's there? Who's at the statue unveiling uh, besides the brothers, of course? Yeah, due to COVID restrictions, it was a small group. Um, it was made up of Diana's sons, of course, her siblings, statue committee members. Also, the sculptor was there and the garden designer. Um, but mm-hmm. William and Harry were notably the only members of the royal family present. Um, their spouses weren't there. Uh, Kate stayed home. And Megan is, of course, in California with their two young children, including daughter Lily, who was born last month. 
And of course, anything with Diana can be a touchy subject with Prince Charles, her ex-husband. Um, notably, he did not attend events commemorating her 20th, the 20th anniversary of her death in 2017. So it's not really a surprise that he wasn't there. Um, I think the COVID restrictions really made it so that it was just the brothers representing the royal family. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully they were able, like you said, to just use today to just think about mom, think about mom. Uh, Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. Now moving over to the world of daytime TV, after four seasons, Meghan McCain has announced that she's leaving ABC's The View. Take a listen. This is going to be my last season here at The View. I will be here through the end of July to finish out the season with all of you, which I am grateful for. So if you watch the show, you know McCain as one of the conservative voices and a balance to more liberal-leaning hosts like Joy Behar. Her impassioned speeches, creative hairstyles, and criticism of former President Trump made her extremely popular online. And she's also generated controversy over the years for those same speeches and hairstyles and and criticism of political figures. So joining me to break this all down is Charlotte Triggs. Hey, Charlotte. Hey, Janine. How's it going? Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. So Megan McCain is out. And I have to say this news, uh, you know, I I didn't see it coming like right today, but I kind of expected it. Did you feel the same? I almost feel like if it if she were going to leave, we would have expected it to have happened already. I'm kind of surprised to see it happen now, especially because she. Okay, we know that the people who have the conservative spot on the show do feel like it's a hard job, right? Because it's like generally a very liberal show for, you know, realistically, Mm -hmm. and they're kind of there to be, you know, in contrast to everybody and like ostensibly fight with everybody. Not to mention the political climate in the last several years has been crazier than it's ever been. Totally. But it's like the other thing is, is she she's never been like a, a plain normal conservative or somebody who aligns totally with the party because it's like she's family friends with Biden. Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean? Like she loves Joe Biden and she did not like Trump and her family had like a family feud with Trump. So she's always been like a very unique case. No, that's so true. I'm actually, I'm a little surprised to see her going. Yeah. Well, she has two years left on her contract and, and the Daily Mail is also reporting that uh, her co-host, Joy Behar, Whoopi Goldberg, Sarah Haynes, uh, Sunny Hostin and Anna Navarro were not aware that she would resign. And so this is coming from her. Um, what do we think prompted it? Well, I don't know. There's, you know, there's so much like all like everybody in the world, right? Like people are beginning to think about like the practicalities of going back mm, into yeah. the office, going back into the studio. She's been living in Alexandria, Virginia this whole oh, time wow. and broadcasting from there. So she has not been in New York. She's got a new baby and their their family has kind of set up shop in the D.C. area. So I don't know if that's potentially a factor in like just people not wanting to change their lifestyle that they've gotten used to. And so I don't know if that's a factor, but it's definitely something that's happening. I mean, she's got a new baby. So it's like it would it would add up that someone might, you know, have feelings about going back. About in. Going I mean, back look, in. they're just like yeah. us, I guess. They're, I'm having these conversations right. with my friends like, uh, are you going? When, when are they saying you have to go? I don't know if I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> totally. So, so let's talk about her reputation on the show. She joined in 2017 after Donald Trump was elected president. And she is a conservative, but frequently criticized him, like we talked about. At the same time, you know, she fought with her liberal co-host. So she didn't really have like, uh, I think a stronghold in either 
place. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, right? And we've seen this with other types of people, kind of like Megyn Kelly, where they make enemies left, mm-hmm. right, and center. <laughs> there obviously still was a passionate audience that did like her, or at least was very intrigued by her, because, you know, every time we write about her online, a lot of people read it. You yeah. I mean? It's like people are very intrigued by what she has to say. But yeah, you're right. It's like people liked her because she did not fall in line behind, like, you know, the Trump ethos yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But she did, she did still distinctly pick fights with her co-host, especially Whoopi and Joy, who, you know what I mean? Like, there was a really kind of unpleasant-looking fight with Joy recently where she was, like, diminishing Joy's reputation, acting as though she, like, didn't know what she was talking about. Joy was like, have some respect. I've been on the show for, like, more than 20 mm, years. Yeah. I know what I'm talking about. And then there's all that. There was that moment with Whoopi. I forgot what she she got on a soapbox about something. Not Whoopi. Um, Megan did, and she like talk 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 talk, and <laughs> it became a meme because Whoopi was just like, okay. The American experiment is the way to go, and if we have two American women, Meghan Markle and Oprah Winfrey, who are single handedly finishing what George Washington and our revolutionary counterparts did, I'm all for it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. I mean, it just showed you right there that it's like they were sort of um, like whatever, Megan, like not necessarily like respecting. And then there's also been much ado about her hair. Um, this is something yes. <laughs> that it kind of perplexed. Yes, remember the hairstyle perplexed came me forward. when we first had to do that story a few months back. I was like, wait, why are we talking about Megan McCain's hair? And then I started to go back and look at the some of the pictures. I was like, oh, okay. So there is, you know, there there is an interesting um, point of view that her hairstylist is taking. <laughs> yes. You recall the, the hairstylist had to say, I'm not, I'm, people have accused me of like trying to sabotage her. I'm not trying, I'm not here for sabotage. I mean, how dramatic, right? Like the idea that the, the woman came forward and like felt like she needed to defend it publicly. Like, of course, Megan would always like clap back at people and be like, you know, whatever, I'm going to do whatever I want with my hair. There's so little that I can enjoy in life right now during the pandemic and during lockdown and with a baby, like I'm going to have fun with my hair. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. I mean, but and then it's just been more complicated than it should be because there's all the cultural appropriation complaints saying, totally. like, you know, OK, these are these are hairstyles you would normally see, like on black women and, you know, the braids and things like that. Like, why are we choosing these particular styles? She must like the controversy. I mean, that's what I think. It's like because if you did you would just phase yeah. them out, right? Like she leaned into it hard. Oh, yeah. And now, I mean, she's leaning out completely. So what do we know is next for her? Yeah, that's really unclear at this point. It's like not totally sure, but it's like I found it a little bit interesting to see her colleagues kind of sending her off with the teeniest bit of shade. Ooh. Like if you watch the clip where it was like they, they basically – emphasized that her dad had begged them to have her on the show in the first place and that's why they hired her that he had told them you'll you'll learn to love her she's a pain in the ass but you'll learn to love her it's like and that by the way i might i'll just say that might all be true but (laughs) it strikes me as a little uncharitable to emphasize it that that distinctly and for you know several minutes on end that is not the send-off that i would want oh my goodness (laughs) <laughs> well, well, I mean, like you said, she has a new baby, so she has her hands full. So we know in the immediate future, she has she has lots to do. Charlotte, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Janine. Next up, my one-on-one with Mary J. Blige. Stay tuned.
Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. A privilege and an honor, MJB, Mary J. Blige. Guys, the initials, the name says it all. She is the indisputable queen of hip hop and R&B, someone I've loved since I broke my big sister's What's the 411 cassette disc. I played it so much. And we are learning so much more about the woman behind the superstar, thanks to her new documentary with Amazon Studios titled My Life, the same name as her hit 1994 sophomore album. It takes you through her journey and the trials she she faced growing up in the housing projects in New York City to how she became an icon, both in spite of and because of all she's overcome. So first off, thank yous are in order. Uh, thank you for What's the 411, for I'm Going Down, for Not Gonna Cry, for Just Fine, for, you know, that time you sang What Child Is This with Andrea Bocelli, for just all of those many, many moments in my life that were touched by your music. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for supporting me. So you've always been so real in your music, of course, but what motivated you to give access like this into your life in this way, in a documentary? Well, um, the documentary is about the My Life album. Um, I had a fan base before, you know, what's the 411, but not like this My Life thing, because, you know, when I when I went to write it, I was in so much pain and, and I was going through so much hell and trauma in my mind. And um when I was writing the album and, and, and singing the album, it was for me to free myself from so many things. But I had no idea, you know, because, you know, you have this sophomore jinx and I was nervous all the way around and I didn't know what the album was going to do. And I didn't think it was going to do anything. I mean, it blew me away how many people responded and say, Mary, we going through it too. Oh, my God, too. You know, I was and I, I couldn't even handle it because I was still in hell. So, yeah. you know, it, it, you have to go back to where the trauma came from. And I felt like it's time to do that, you know, because I've been through some of the worst stuff you could think about in public, period, right up to recently and just in my lifetime. And it's, it's going to hurt, but it's nothing to go back for my fans. Just like I go on when I'm on stage, I relive it again. So it's nothing to go back and actually talk about it and let them see and hear where it all was so much pain came from. I mean, I, I watched it last night and you, you get to see little Mary and, and hear about what she was like and what she went through. Just going into this, were you nervous at all about going back to that time? And, and if so, what did it take for you to get into the headspace to, to give that to everyone? It, it took me some time to want to even do this documentary. So this was the right time to do it. Mm -hmm. The only thing is this was painful. It was painful going back. It was painful to visit that little girl again and to see her again and see her just so lost and there's so much pain. And then to see her as a teenager and to see her as a young adult in the music business. And um, I had to do it because the My Life album was extremely important to millions of people. That's, that's what I'm here for. I'm here to go through the pain so somebody else can change or grow. And that's been my job since 
I was five years old, obviously all this, you know, yeah. you know, I went through, you know, cause I'm like, why did I, why am I going through so much? Why, why, why? And God is like, well, this is why I needed you to do this. You know? Yeah. Well, music critics always talk about just being able to hear the beauty and the pain in your voice. And Diddy talks about that in the doc. And and in it, you share some just truly heartbreaking moments like you're talking about, about being abused as a child and, and just how you struggled with thoughts of, of not even wanting to be alive anymore, which none of your fans can imagine. So so what would you say has been the biggest saving grace? What got you through just pushing, <laughs> just, just, just not having a choice. Like, I think the fans kind of helped save me because when they said me too on the My Life album, not, you know, I think subconsciously I was like, oh, I can't kill myself now. All these people, some, somebody's going to come behind me because they were too, die, people were too die hard and, you know, strong and, and, and um, emotional about this album. And so I believe in my subconscious. I was like, I can't now I, I got to thug this out. I got to push through. And so I just kept pushing and pushing no matter how hard it got, no matter how ugly it got. I did all kinds of drugs and alcohol to quiet down the you'll never, you know, you're not this. You're horrible. It was, it was all your fault. It was your fault. So whew, it was years and years and years and years of that to the point where it's like every day still it's not as bad as it was. I'm in a great, great place, but I have to fight for my freedom and my happiness every single day because that that was some heavy imprisonment, you know. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And and just even just the details of sharing your journey in the spotlight. People are looking at you in in fame. You're, you're in this relationship with Casey and, and it, it might look all good from the outside, but you are going through so much in that relationship. When, when you shared that, was that news to some people even in your your circle of, of what you were going through? It may have been. I mean, my, my family, you know, my mother didn't really know what was going on, you know, because I was afraid mm-hmm. to tell my mother because, you know, it's your mother. They're not going to take that well you know my sister knew a little bit my nieces and nephews and you know some of my family members did not know that I was living in that hell like that we were physically fighting and it was dark and you know the things that was happening they they didn't know the fans really didn't know what was physically happening either they saw what they saw you know was videos or whatever they may have ran up on but nobody knew that you know this this, the fame had consumed both of us yeah. And, and but I, I have to say, you see so many high points in the film, too. Like when you and Anita Baker sing together, she and her Rapture album was, of course, a huge influence on you. It was her Rhythm of Love album for me, I have to say. Uh, but also just so many accolades, nine Grammy Awards. So take me into a moment where you felt the most loved and appreciated. Man, I, I feel the most loved and appreciated when I'm at the Essence Festival. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm at the Essence Festival. Oh, yeah. I feel loved and appreciated. And just one, you know, at my concerts, like in, you know, in the key markets, you know, um, New Orleans, um, New York. And, and you just had, a, a, you see a moment like that in the documentary celebrating 25 years of my life and just the love, you sitting down there and crying. It's so moving. Uh, I, I want to ask you, you share so much in the doc, but there's still some you keep close to the vest. Like like the documentary mentions um, your scar, the scar under your left eye, but you've never really talked about where that came from. Why is that? Because it, it, it it's nobody's business. I can't, you know, it's mm. some things just, it, you just can't. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it was that it was that tragic. You just can't. 
Wow. So so music seems like it's been such a saving grace, but have you ever wanted to walk away? It seems like it pulled you back when you needed to be pulled back, but have you ever wanted to just to just not? Yeah, there was a time when um when I was um in that marriage where I was being told that I was done and I was I was being told that I was washed up by this person and I'm fat and old and my fans are old and and they don't like you no more. Your fans don't like and so I, I began to believe some of these things and I was like, oh, well, I might as well throw in the towel because that's what this person wanted me to believe and think. And I actually almost started thinking that until um, I was out and I ran into a woman and she was like, please, please don't stop doing what you're doing. It, it, it helped me to like to realize that this person was trying to take away everything that he didn't even give me, you know, but more testimonies I get from the fans the more it made me, you know, just push me because I was ready to, I was ready to forget. I was like, maybe I am done. And I was looking in the mirror and said, yeah, maybe I am done. Maybe I am one. No, maybe I am. I'm not pretty as pretty as whatever he wants. You know. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad that woman stepped in. If it wasn't her, it would have been me, Mary. Thank you. And, and Apollo's walk of fame just happened. All of these wonderful accolades. You've done so much. Thank you. Tell, tell me just last question. How are you feeling now? today. How are you? I feel good. I feel content. You know, I don't feel like, oh, everything is excellent. I just feel content knowing that life is going to have challenges still. I still have challenges, but I can face my challenges because I have developed some love for myself. That was Mary J. Blige. For more on her, head over to people.com and pick up a copy of this week's issue of People to read my story. All right, it's time for something to make you smile. I don't know about you, but twins always make me smile. I I don't know what it is. It's a thing. And there's a pair in Nashville that are even more connected than most these days. Sarah Sharp was diagnosed with a rare gynecological cancer in 2018 and needed an emergency hysterectomy. The surgery meant she would not be able to have any more children. So her fraternal twin sister, Kathy Stoner, decided to stand in the gap to help make her dreams of motherhood come true again. And they did. Kathy is due to give birth to her sister's child, a baby boy named John Ryder, in August. Here's what Sarah told people about the sweet connection she has with her sister's kids. I feel like they're like an extension of of me. Like, I feel I care about them just as much. Now the sisters even host a women's health podcast together called Talk To Me Sister. These two are taking hashtag twinning to a whole new level. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. 